1: Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the podcast. This one is brought to you by harrys.com. Go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to redeem your quality razors for $3. You've got to do that. Go get yourself some good quality razor blades from Harry's but before you do that tune into this episode of Bulls HQ I'm back from my extended break I'm back from my from my honeymoon travelling through Europe so I'm back on deck now so expect to see more episodes of Bulls HQ coming through your feed even though it is I guess the the quiet period of the NBA season at this point I'm back on deck now I will be putting out some podcasts so happy to be back but at the same time it's been a while since our last podcast so there's probably a little bit to cover with some of the stuff that I probably won't touch on but Excuse me if I'm a little bit rusty, it's been a month or so since I last did a show, but I'm back again now. Obviously, I missed most of what have sort of happened during the, I guess, probably after free agency, once the Bulls made their first few moves, they didn't really do much thereafter. There was no Chris Duntre, which I was kind of expecting to happen. There was talk of it, supposedly, with potentially bringing back Justin Holiday. Obviously, that hasn't transpired, and we now know that Justin Holiday will be playing for the Indiana Pacers, so... It doesn't look like a Chris Dunn trade, at least right now looks like it's going to happen. So we'll see what happens maybe before the start of the season. But at this point, it looks like Chris Dunn is coming back for season 2019-20. I also missed Summer League. Not that there was much really to talk about since Summer League. It was kind of uneventful for the Bulls. Obviously, Wendell Carter didn't play because he was out injured with that ab issue that he sort of had to get a surgery on. But beyond Wendell Carter, I guess... Kobe White, the the main play that we wanted to watch in Summer League, didn't really have the greatest of time there. He wasn't great in Summer League, didn't shoot that well. Um, and beyond Kobe White, there wasn't really too much to get excited about, I suppose. Daniel Gafford had, had himself some pretty good games, so that is encouraging, but... Summer League itself was kind of boring from a Bulls perspective. I've caught up on the games now, or at least skimmed over some of them. Some of them were a a tough watch to go through, but there wasn't really much to take out of Summer League, so I won't be going through that in more detail. And to be honest with you, you've probably forgotten about Summer League at this point anyway. So I want to talk about next season. I think that's probably where we're all focused on anyway. We don't really care about Summer League at this point. We're already thinking about what the Bulls will be doing next season and, and how next season will potentially shape up. Uh, we'll go into more depth over that over the coming months, particularly heading into preseason and training camp and the like. But on this episode of the podcast, I wanted to get on Darnell Mabry of The Athletic to help me go through some 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 pressing issues. Well, Maybe not pressing issues, but some factors that I think maybe we as a fan base have sort of maybe not ignored, but have sort of tempered on because we've been a little bit excited about the Bulls signings that they did make. They actually had themselves a pretty good offseason to the point where... Maybe there's been a couple points that we've maybe overlooked or haven't considered too widely just yet, but I want to bring Darnell on because in the last week or so, he's wrote two good pieces on The Athletic, one of them being about the potential wing issues the Bulls do have on the current roster and the fact that they don't really have a lot of options to address that right now, and the other being what the potential rotation could be for the Bulls heading into this season based on what Jim Boylan has done in the past and how he may use... The current roster that he has and, and how he may implement that for season 1920. so it made sense to bring in Darnell on the podcast to go in a little bit more detail given that he's covered them off on his last two pieces for the athletics so let's bring him in. Darnell thanks for joining me mate.
0: Thanks for having me Mark. It's always a pleasure.
1: It's, it's the offseason for you too now. The Bulls beat has been pretty quiet, and I'm hoping you've uh, sort of escaped the Bulls talk a little bit. I know I've brought you on here to bring you back into Bulls land, but hopefully you've, uh, you've been doing some other things outside of the Chicago Bulls.
0: Yeah, it's been enjoyable. Uh, it's been a good summer so far. But, you know, the truth is, Mark, talking about the Bulls isn't so bad now. I mean, they've actually made some good moves. So it's, uh, it's a little bit enjoyable. It's more enjoyable than it's ever been for me. That's for sure. In my two years on the beat so far.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you definitely picked a, an interesting time to come on board, but yeah, it was it was a weird reaction from myself, but generally among the fan base as well. There's this fan base as you as you've sort of seen and wrote about and and sort of experienced during your time on the beat. The the fan base itself has been broken off into various factions. There's been not a lot of harmony amongst the fans, but over this off season period, obviously there's going to be some that don't necessarily like what happens. And that'll always be the case, but be the case. But by and large the fan base reacted pretty favorably to the offseason and how it went went about. So I, I guess you do have a point that come this upcoming season, fingers crossed, assuming injuries don't sort of rear their head again, that it should be a, a fun one for yourself to cover at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've historically kind of been more optimistic than others. Um, yeah, we broke
1: you at some point though, didn't we?
0: <laughs> no, I think Jim Boylan broke me. Uh, Jim Boylan and, and too much of... Uh, you know Walt Lemon and and those guys, but uh, yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I mean they they made some some solid moves. It should be entertaining basketball this year,
1: definitely. And I look, look, I said from the outset that the Bulls' been has been a little bit quiet since then, given that the Bulls sort of made their their main moves in free agency during that first week. Summer league was kind of a bit of a dud, so there wasn't necessarily much to talk on in that sense, but. You've still been putting out some good stuff on The Athletic, and I want to touch on both the articles that you sort of put out in the last week or so. The first being about the Bulls' sort of wing issues that they sort of do have at the moment, and the latter being what Jim Boylan's rotation may look like for the upcoming season. But I wanted to start with the uh, the wing issues, and I guess this is something I probably knew existed uh, it existed based on what they did on the offseason. But in reading your piece, even though I was sort of traveling through the month of July, I was obviously keeping keeping a tab on what was happening for the Bulls during free, free agency and the like. But I was reading your piece and, and for whatever reason, it just sort of clicked, clicked to me at that point after reading your piece that I actually had to stop and say, wow, the, the Bulls actually do have some wing depth issues. Obviously, sort of knew who they had signed. They they, they brought in Sadoransky and White through through free agency and through the draft. They had done virtually the same thing in the front court with Gaffer drafting him in the second round and then signing Thad Young and Luke Cornett. So they, they addressed their point guard issues and their front court issues both in the draft and free agency. But I don't know, for whatever reason, it's, it didn't really dawn on me until I read your piece that they didn't really do anything on the wing at all.
0: Yeah, and it's I mean it's a hard position to to try to get um, you know, quality players at and and it's not easy. So, uh it's understandable. Uh those guys are are coveted by all teams and, you know, every general manager is looking for quality wings, uh 3 and D guys, shooters, uh you know, every team looks for those types of players and, you know, you have you can't be too mad at the Bulls for not addressing all of their needs. Uh, you know, like you said, they they filled out their point guard spot. They filled out the, the front court position. So they've done a, a solid job of, of getting some more help on this roster. Uh, but there is a glaring hole behind Zach Levine and Otto Porter Jr. And unless Denzel Valentine and Chandler Hutchinson, uh, one, get healthy, and two, uh, become more reliable, consistent performers, the, the Bulls could have a problem at the two and three spots. Uh, and, and that's just – you know, it remains to be seen how well those guys are going to come back and perform. We that was the interesting thing to me. You know, Denzel Valentine has has had the injury. He missed all of last season, of course. Uh, and then Chandler Hutchinson, you know, has had injury setbacks uh not just back in January, but going into the summer. Uh so those guys have to get healthy, and then they've also got to be able to show that they can perform consistently. Uh and if they don't, the Bulls are in trouble. But if they do, I think they got an even better roster than than you know we're sitting here talking about with some of the moves that they've made.
1: Yeah, certainly, and and like I said, maybe it was because I was so impressed with what they did with Thad Young and and, and Sadaransky that I maybe overlooked the fact that they didn't have those wing options. But they are really investing quite heavily here on two guys who you mentioned, Hutchinson and Denzel Valentine, who in a lot of ways, in a lot of different ways, remain kind of unproven. For, for various reasons, obviously Chandler Hutchinson, he was okay in his rookie season; wasn't great, but he wasn't he wasn't impressive at all in summer league. And, and like you mentioned, Denzel Valentine missed all of last season. Is sort of only just now, as you sort of reported as well, just sort of approaching the basketball court now. So he still sounds like he's kind of not ways away, but he's still uh, still on the mend to a degree. So what do you think about that strategically? I guess that the Bulls are sort of really putting it into to the hands of Hutchinson and Valentine to really. Be those main credible backups to Levine and Otto Porter? Is that a wise situation? Obviously, a team is never necessarily fully developed or fully formed in July. You can still obviously add to your team throughout the season. But looking at it based on what we know right now, is from a strategic point of view, is that a good idea, a good idea from the Bulls? Really giving that that reserve wing positions to guys like Hutchinson and Valentine and those guys really alone.
0: I see both sides of it. I mean, on one hand, uh, you know, I do think that the bulls are are actually out there trying to address that situation. Uh, you know, there was obviously reports of Chris Dunn, um, his name being floated in trade talks. And, and there was that Justin holiday rumor, which I was told that there was some legitimacy to that. Um, you know, if they brought back Justin holiday, we could debate that back and forth, uh, you know, whether he would be a, a, a wise choice, but, uh, you know, at least it would have been something. And if nothing else, you know, the guy uh, can shoot. I, I would say the same thing for Denzel Valentine. I mean, the guy uh, was proving himself to be a, a pretty capable three point shooter before he went down. So uh, there is some something like about Denzel Valentine. But the other side of it, Mark, to me is, you know, this is a guy. This These are two former first round picks. The Bulls have invested in these guys. And yeah. I think they owe it to their organization to give them the opportunity to go out there and show that they can play, or that they can't play. But I don't think that they should just do away with them. Uh, and and by not going out and making some bold move to to bring in a free agent or draft over them, uh, this is giving them the opportunity to go out there and show what they can do.
1: It certainly is, but at the same time, I mean, the the NBA is is hell at this point on, on wings and, and and playing those sort of playing rotations that have guys that are six foot six to six foot eight, really across multiple positions. So I kind of was and look i'll i'll, I'll Listeners of this show know I'm a a big David Nwaba fan. I'm definitely into Wayne Seldon, and I wanted to get one of those guys back at least. And as we've sort of seen with David Nwaba, he's been signed to a minimum deal. Wayne Seldon is currently unsigned, so maybe he can sort of be brought back. But I I sort of still feel this rotation is lacking one wing at least. But to your point, obviously, Hutchinson and Valentine are guys that the Bulls have drafted, guys that they've invested time in and who they should be giving minutes to. But I, I sort of still feel that this wing rotation is lacking maybe one, possibly two. Guys, but to that point, I mean Zach Levine, obviously he'll be the starting shooting guard, Otto Porter starting small forward. Zach bounced back as probably as well as you could hope from an ACL injury to the point where I even forgot that he had that injury. Otto Porter. He's had some injuries in the past, but hopefully going forward he'll be remain injury-free. But I guess I have some trepidation about the, the, the guys behind them to the point where I'm now sort of starting to wonder is there an argument to be made that if one of these guys, whether it's Levine or possibly even Porter, if they were to miss an extended period of time, that maybe the Bulls' season ultimately hinges on their health given my reservations about the Bulls' wing depth issues?
0: Yeah, it definitely does. Um, you know, they, they just don't have a quality backup behind them. Uh, And, you know, the one thing that the Bulls can do with all those point guards is, you know, play, you know, Jim Boylan always talks about this multi-ball handler system. He can have multiple point guards out there serving as, you know, de facto wings, if you will. So uh, I don't think that's the best course. I mean, but it is an option. You know, a lot of those guys have flaws and their own um, limitations, but at the same time, they can throw out a lot of guards and if you keep Chris Dunn I wouldn't uh advise it but if they do keep Chris Dunn he could be uh more of a of a, of a wing option as a, as opposed to a point guard option uh he needs to come back better and as a better shooter we we know that yeah uh, and if he doesn't then that's going to be a, a big time problem uh trying to play him exclusively on the wing or maybe at the shooting guard but and he thinks he's a point guard I don't think people really understand how much Chris Dunn thinks he's a or believes he's a point guard. I'm not saying he's not, yeah. but he believes he's a point guard. So anyone who just thinks, oh, just just keep Chris Dunn and make him your backup shooting guard. Well, he looks at himself as a point guard. He wants the ball in his hands. So um, you know, I don't think it's as easy as that.
1: Definitely, and look, we'll touch on it a little bit later in terms of the rotation. But to your point, it, it's it kind of does feel like the Bulls are expecting their "quote unquote" point guards to be playing on the wing position as well. I mean, he's he's a true six foot seven, so he can play some 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 shooting guard, perhaps even some small forward. I think Kobe White will probably be more off ball during the season as well, so he'll get minutes at shooting guard. Shaq Harrison, though listed as a point guard, to me he, he's effectively a wing. I don't think he really is a point guard, and Boylan. Uh, last season was using him at small forward at times so we've seen Boylan I guess run multiple guard lineups uh, some of it he had to do because of the, the injury issues last season but I mean ideally you know pushing players or scaling players up through positions is something that happens but you normally see it with threes becoming fours or twos becoming threes but seeing someone like Kobe White becoming a, a, a one becoming a two or possibly even a possibly even getting minutes of small forward depending on what, how it sort of shakes out I, I, I'm not sure if that's ideal but Given that the Bulls currently have 16 guaranteed contracts on the books, they need to cut that down to 15. So someone is going to get the chop, whether that's an Antonio Blakeney, who seemingly is the odd man out, or a Chris Dunn being potentially traded out. So that wing position probably is likely to be even reduced a little bit further. Not that, I guess, losing an Antonio Blakeney is is nothing to to get too uh, depressed about, I guess. It, It could be addition by subtraction at that point. But I mean... The wing position in itself could be, from a pure volume point of view, even lighter going into the season.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see what they do because, you know, Jim Borland obviously didn't like to play Antonio Blakeney for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, the guy is a heck of a scorer, but he's just, you know, he's just got tunnel vision and, you know, we know his flaws. Um, you know, Chris Dunn, they've got that situation to figure out. So this this team's not done making moves this summer. There's going to be a couple more minor moves. Uh, and then they also have one more two-way spot. And, you know, I, I would anticipate that they're going to go out there and, and sign another two-way player w- who obviously is not going to contribute probably on this roster. You, you would hope that we never see this guy on the, you know, on the floor, uh, whoever it is, but it could be someone that they might be able to groom and, and he could develop. So uh, th- they've got probably, I want to say at least two, maybe even three moves left to make uh, before the start of the season or, or or, you know, early into the season. So I'm interested in see how seeing how they how they handle it. Um uh, but I I do like what they do. I you know, I don't want to nitpick and say that uh, you know, that that they're doomed because they don't have capable backups or, or proven backups, I should say. Um and Denzel Valentine has an opportunity. I mean, the guy was really putting putting together some strong performances. I mean, you remember that game he had against the Cavs and LeBron, uh, where he almost upstaged him. Uh, I think he had 30 something. uh, I forget what he had, maybe 32 points or something like that. I forget, but uh, you know, he's, he's got some talent and the biggest question is how, how he's going to be able to come back off of that ankle surgery. Uh, You know, he wasn't all that athletic to begin with. I think he had one dunk in his career in his two years. So, (laughs) uh, you know, he's going to have to be able to really rehabilitate that ankle and you know, guys like Taj Gibson and, and uh, John Paxson have said that they've had it and, and they had a, a better experience after the surgery so we'll see how he how he responds I don't think it's uh, wise to write him off just yet
1: no definitely not writing him off but at the same time uh, a little bit nervous given he has missed a full year obviously so I look I'm hoping from his for his career's point of view and from his perspective that he can get right because you never want to see players sort of have their careers sort of derailed to a degree because of an injury so I'm hoping Denzel can sort of get it together physically but we can talk about the wing rotation a little bit more because I want to move on to the next topic which is I guess the rotation itself and how that may shake out and how that may play out on the athletic you sort of dove into that and put forth basically what you foresee the rotation being I want to talk about that after the break let's pay some bills first and we'll come back and talk about that alright guys we've got an announcement to make Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to Harry's.com forward slash Bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set which includes a 5 blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shaving gel and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your free trial offer by going to harrys.com forward slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. Okay, back to the show now. Donnell, I wanted to talk about your other piece that you re- uh, released last week in, in relation to what the Bulls' rotation may look for look like going forward. But before we get into it, I wanted to gauge from you as to, you know, obviously you put forth your opinions in the article, but were you thinking about it more from what you think Jim Boylan will do or what he could do?
0: I really don't know what Jim Boylan will do. So it's more <laughs> what he could do. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. He he could go any number of ways, and I think the the wisest or maybe smartest thing, and this is what I tried to lay out in the article, would be to stagger Larry and If he does that, you create room for Thaddeus Young. You know he's going to need twenty five to thirty minutes per night. Yeah, um, you know he didn't sign here to, to not play. Uh, he's already taking, we would assume, a backup role coming from Indiana, uh, coming to Chicago from Indiana, uh, and and now you don't want to play him too few minutes. So uh, I anticipate him getting at least 25, probably even up to you know 30 minutes a night or so a night. Um, uh, so I, that's what I think that would be the smartest thing for Jim Boylan to do. Beyond that, uh, there's so many different options and so many different ways he can go. I mean, look, we don't even know if he's going to start Thomas Sadaransky or if he's going to start Kobe White. I mean, we all kind of presume that he's going to start Sadoransky I think that would be the wise decision based on what we saw in summer league. And, you know, Kobe White just didn't look ready. Uh, I think he is more of a 20 to 25 minute per night type of guy at this stage and let him kind of develop um, and and not be relied upon so much for so many minutes. Uh, And also, I mean, you don't really go out and sign a $10 million a year guy in Sadoransky after drafting Kobe White seventh to, to not play Sadoransky either. So I do think he's going to get a, a, the lion's share of the minutes, but I, I, I'm curious to see what he does. I have no idea and it can go in so many different directions.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the reason I asked that question is because I think you rightly pointed out in your article that Borland would probably prefer to have a 10-man rotation, but I wonder at times if he will actually experiment with maybe 11 guys, possibly 12 guys, because I mean, they've obviously added Thad Young, Luke Cornett, and Sadoransky, three guys who you can realistically plug into the rotation, but they've obviously brought in Kobe White and Daniel Gafford, too, who may get some minutes, too. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, whether it's 10, whether it's 11, whether it's 8 or 9, depending on uh, how how, how the Bulls are sort of playing and and who they're playing against. And obviously, we don't want to see 12-man rotations when the team is getting belted or anything like that. But I think... What I want, the, 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 there was a few key takeaways from this piece that that you wrote, but I was, I'm, I'm interested to on this one, and I want to get you more thoughts on this one from you. You had Thad Young coming off the bench, which you just sort of alluded to before, and I 100% agree with that—that that he should be a bench player and then potentially playing minutes with marketing when uh, maybe the Bulls shift marketing to center and when they stagger marketing as you sort of suggested that they should do, I think that is a good idea. But whilst um, you've put that forward, and obviously you just you just noted that you don't know what Jim Boylan will, will do come October, but do you think there's a chance that Thad Young may actually start and, and Larry Markin and play center from the get-go and maybe Wendell Carter comes off the bench? And I'm not hoping that's the situation because I think the Bulls should keep Markin and Carter t- together. But just thinking about the situation where the Bulls are probably maybe trying to push towards the playoffs, do you think as a coach there may be a chance with where Boylan would sort of lean on that sort of more experienced guy in Thad Young to have him come in and be that starting power forward, which he was in Indiana, a much better team than the Bulls were or were potentially projected to be going forward.
0: God, I hope not.
1: <laughs> I hope not I really, too, but I mean, I mean it's got to be a chance, right?
0: I mean, I no, like I, I would really, I would really be down on that if that's the decision that, that Jim Boylan chose to go with because, yeah. You know, if that's the case, you don't sign Thaddeus Young, in my opinion. You you drafted Wendell seventh overall. He's shown a lot of potential on both ends of the floor. Uh, in, in he was, what, 19 all of last season? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's a young guy. He's got a ton of potential. A lot of people think – I don't know if it's a lot of people, but some people think that he's a better prospect than Larry marketing And yeah. you're going to sit here with Thaddeus Young? I just don't understand. To To what? Like, make the – seventh seed or the eighth seed and get your heads kicked in in the first round I don't I would not be I would not think that that would be a good move
1: I and look I'm one of those people that 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 vehemently think that Wendell Carter is the best pros, pro prospect on this roster so I certainly don't want to see him coming off the bench but the minute they signed thad young I think one of the instant thoughts that I had is why would you sign a a guy who's you know more than a starting level cap- uh, caliber of player, as we've seen. He's been invited to Team USA. Not that maybe that's, that's much to, to hang your hat on, given that so many <laughs> yeah. players at this point have been invited and so many have sort of declined. But he is a starting level player and we're assuming he's going to come off the bench and hopefully he's okay with that. But I'm just wondering if there's a situation where given that Carter's missing sort of a few months here as well, given his injury, obviously he'll be ready for training camp. But I just wonder if a, uh, a hard nose like Boylan will lean more towards the vet in that in that situation and combine that with the fact that the Bulls have, have sort of made it clear that they want to, they want to put and at, at centre more often, I, I guess within the rotation going forward. But let's talk about that. Larry and at centre, obviously you sort of suggested that that will happen. You would put that forward in your plan. You would stagger his minutes to the point where he would be the first forward or the first forward to come onto the bench, he would then sort of check back in a little bit later on into those second into the second units and really dominate from that perspective, almost forcing the Bulls to give Marken the ball and and, and to encourage him to, to to really get up some shots with that second unit. You propose that in your projections, but I'm just wondering how that works on defense. And look, I'm a bit of a Thibodeau disciple, so I'm a bit concerned with maybe Marken at center. I don't necessarily see it. I think he's more of a traditional power forward, but do you have any concerns with marketing and getting any of these sort of minutes to center at all
0: i don't and if you if you remember second half of the season you know after larry was was really turning it on and, and just becoming a nightly double double uh he was banging inside he was kind of you know going uh up against some some big man and, and holding his own uh in the post whether he was rebounding whether it was you know post defense uh getting the ball and and turning it into offense pushing it out the, the, the other to the other end. Uh, I like what I saw from him. He was showing a lot more physicality. Uh, He was showing a lot more aggression uh, in terms of how he was going about the game. And if he can continue that, I don't have many concerns. We all saw how jacked he got last summer before the elbow injury. Uh, You know, if he puts on uh, some more weight and and I think just going into his third season, he's going to be a lot more confident and comfortable understanding his game and and kind of the NBA game and, and where he gets his touches and how he can be effective. So, uh, I, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Laurie marketing comes back because it is his third season. I anticipate him taking an, another step, uh, maybe even making another jump. So, uh, I don't have like, he's one of the few guys that I, I'm not really concerned about. My concern with Laurie is, uh, whether or not he's going to be able to maintain that assertiveness on the offensive end. Um, I don't, I don't really, really worry about. Uh, him defensively in terms of guarding bigger people Uh, I think he's up for that challenge I want to see him not get lost in the shuffle offensively
1: yeah and I I think you you, you know your plan of making him that central point of that second unit by having him being that key piece in that staggering type situation I think that almost makes him be that assertive player that we sort of saw through that February period so I think that's another reason why it makes sense and, and you definitely touched on that in your article and like like I just said there, you made Mark that central piece in terms of staggering that front court rotation. But something else that really enables that is the fact that Thad Young is here, the fact that he can sort of come off the bench, at, at least we hope, and, and sort of slide into that power forward role and then Mark can move up to centre. But something that I was thinking about before Thad Young came on board was maybe having more minutes for Otto Porter at power forward. We saw a bit of it last, last year in February where, Porter would swing up to power forward and Markkinen would go up to center. I don't know if that's something that's going to be happening this season going forward, given that Thad Young has arrived and like we sort of just suggested there, that he will sort of come off the bench into power forward and Markkinen will go into center. So I'm not sure if we'll get minutes with Otto Porter at power forward next to, to next to Larry Markkinen, but I've, I'm just wondering if there's a way we can still get that to happen where maybe Porter can play some power forward, and, and and Thad Young could actually play some some center. I'm more inclined to the the Bulls playing smaller than bigger. And I think there will be games when where a player like Daniel Gafford, who is a bit of a project, and Luke Cornett, who whilst he can defend the ring, can't defend in space. They Those guys, depending on the matchup, may not be playing many minutes in certain games. So I'm wondering if there's any feasibility to the idea of maybe playing Otto Porter at power forward like I had hoped, and maybe even going in super small and having Thad Young at center.
0: I can't see it simply from the standpoint of you're going to have to sit both Lari Market and Wendell Carter Jr. at that point. Yeah, and I don't see the Bulls doing that. I mean, those are the two core, two of the core pieces. I mean, some would even say ahead of Zach Levine. So, um, I yeah, I can't see that, and and I just don't know if it's worth it from a long term perspective to have Otto Porter Jr. and Thaddeus Young taking the bulk of the minutes at the expense of Lari Market and Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, I it's not that I don't know if it's it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's probably more just me wanting to see the lineups get funky and, and to get small and to, to to just to really push the pace. I, I guess I, I certainly take take on board what you're suggesting, but I, I just wonder if Boylan can be somewhat creative and th- maybe throw out a weird lineup like that where balls are super small and. And it's still really good on defense and can splice the four around Zach Levine in certain rotations or certain lineups. But, uh, I mean, that's just more me leaning on a, on a plan that I had with Otto Porter spending some more minutes at power forward. But to what you sort of, sort of suggested there, it's probably unlikely. But something else I've been thinking about is the... The very real scenario next season where Mark and Carter Porter and Young are four of the five best players on the team next season with the other being Zach Levine. So with that in mind and four of those five players that I just named being front court players, what is more likely, Boylan sort of experimenting with smaller, quicker lineups, maybe not necessarily in the front court, but sort of, you know, through one through three, or based on those names that I sort of suggested the four of the five being front court players the team actually ultimately falling back into more traditional perhaps even bigger lineups that even feature Thad Young at small forward
0: yeah they can go a different a number of different directions and going back to something you know we said at the beginning you know it's not just that i don't think jim Boylan, no uh, i don't know what jim is going to do i don't think jim Boyland knows what he's going to do yeah uh, th- there's so much to play out and these guys haven't played together so i think the entire month of October and November is going are going to be figuring out what they have, who plays well with each other and um, you know, kinda who complements uh each other and best and, and kinda go from there. I don't think we're gonna really have a, a great idea about those things until probably the first of December.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a fair point. And it's probably something I should have prefaced this entire conversation with the fact that there will be some open roster spots or not open roster spots, some open, uh, I, I guess, all, Boylan will be challenging the guys in, in the off season or through training camp to sort of Work their way into that rotation. So, whilst there may not be a, a, a set rotation come October, whatever it may be in, in preseason, October seven I think is the first preseason game. We, we're not necessarily expecting rotations to be set at that point. So, I, I definitely to I definitely take on board what you sort of noted there. But the one exception that I had in the piece that you wrote, Darnell, was the fact that you had my man. Ryan Archidiakno out of the regular rotation. And I wasn't pleased to see that. And you've got him hanging out towards the back of the bench with Shaq Harrison. And look, whilst I certainly understand the logic that you have, again, I'm just wondering if a a, a guy like Boylan, who who I think will be playing for wins at this point, I mean – He'll want to see his uh, his his own record sort of tick up a little bit. I wonder if there's a chance where perhaps he leans on Archie Diakno a little bit more. Obviously, the Bulls have invested in Archie into Archie Diakno for three further seasons. He's is a, a steady and known quantity to the point where do you think there is a chance where Boylan may play him into the rotation, perhaps over Kobe White, not at, at point guard. That isn't to say Kobe won't won't, won't play. He may play more minutes at uh, shooting guard. But do you think there's a chance? That despite you not having my guy Archie Diakno in the rotation, that someone like Jim Boylan, guy, I I think he's aligned in my view that he, he he's very into a, a player like Archie Diakno. Do you think he there's a chance that my guy will actually crack into the rotation now that Kobe White and Saderanski have entered the fold?
0: I mean, come on now. If Jim Boylan <laughs> had his way, he'd play. He'd start Archie. He'd start Shaq Harrison. <laughs> he'd start Dad Young. He'd start. Come on, who who are the other ones? Uh, probably Markkinen. Yeah, Otto Porter uh, probably. He, I guess. Yeah, and Porter, that's the, that's the other one I'm thinking of. So that, that would be his starting lineup if he had his way. <laughs> and, and, you know, to, to those guys' credit, there's a reason he loves them. You know, the, the, they're gritty guys. They play hard. They give everything they have. And I'm so glad that the Bulls made the right decision to bring those guys back. Yeah. Um. You know, because they just increase the um, competitiveness of the team. Those guys, like I'm speaking specifically to Archie Diacono and Shaq Harrison, Those guys will do anything they can to try to make the team better. Uh, You know, they're selfless guys, they're hard workers, uh, and they're going to raise the level of play of everyone because if if you're not working as hard as them, you're going to look bad. And those are the types of players that they are. They might not be the most talented guys, uh, they certainly have their limitations, but they give you everything that they have. And this is, that's something that this roster needs. You know, Larry Markinen needs to learn that. He's a young player. He needs to learn that. Zach Levine needs to learn that on the defensive end. Uh, You know, so Wendell Carter Jr. is still young. He needs to understand how to uh, come, come in to work every day and give it his all and every single day. Um, You know, he can't have some moments where he, you know, he had down moments last year. So, um, you know, I, I like that those guys were brought back. I'm happy for them. Uh, I just don't see I'm sorry Mark I just don't see much of a much room for Ryan Archie Diacono. um you know who knows if if uh there are some you know bumps and bruises along the way which I'm sure we can you know kind of expect to, expect that there will be you know Ryan's a guy who has proven himself capable of coming in and and contributing uh in limited in a limited role uh and he can probably be really effective in limited minutes um so I like what I've seen out of him I just don't know that he's the guy as much as, you know, he's easy to root for. I don't know that you want him playing, you know, 12, 15, 20 minutes a night, whatever it might be. They've got better options now. uh, And unless you need him, I don't think you should go to him.
1: I mean, look, I asked that question somewhat in tongue in cheek, but at the same time, we mentioned it before, the Bulls have... Five guys on their point guard rotation, which you noted as well in your piece, that are listed as point guards. But given that the the depth depth issues they have at wing, I, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, like a player like Archie Diakno or even Harrison getting minutes because someone like Kobe White or Satoransky can play into those other positions. Or maybe that's just me talking myself into it and and hoping my man can get some minutes. But at the same time, given that the, that sheer volume of point guards that the team had, another funky lineup that I, I think. I would have liked to see, and certainly some Bulls fans have sort of posited before. free and was maybe having Zach Levine at point guard, not necessarily starting at point guard, but getting minutes at point guard, and maybe playing big with someone like Chandler Hutchinson shooting guard and Porter at small forward with a combination of of, of Mark and Carter and Thad Young at, at four and five. But again, it's just because of the, the sheer volume of point guards on the roster, it doesn't seem like you know that projected lineup that I sort of just posed there will we'll sort of see many minutes.
0: I would. Not be opposed to the idea. I would be probably more inclined to supplant Hutchinson with Valentine. Yeah. Strictly because of shooting. Um, you know, if Zach Levine kicks it out to Hutchinson, who knows what's going to happen? You kick it out to Valentine. You pretty much, you know, can feel comfortable that he's gonna, he's gonna. If he has a good look, he's, he's he might make it. He's probably going to make it. Um, uh, what was he a thirty thirty eight thirty nine percent three point shooter two years ago? So. Uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to sit here and rave about Denzel Valentine. He's not worthy of that just yet, obviously. But um, you know, his shooting, his secondary kind of playmaking ability, uh, I, I would like that. As, particularly with the lineup you mentioned with Young, you know, he's he can make an open shot, but he's not known as a three-point shooter. So if you had Hutchinson and Young in there, uh, I'd be a little worried about your floor spacing. But you 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 replace Valentine, uh, you replace Hutchinson with Valentine, and I think you're on to something.
1: Yeah, yeah, most certainly. And look I, I, look, I don't want to spend too much talking about Denzel Valentine, but do you think there's a situation here where his his particular contract situation may be a, a Bobby Portis-like type comparison where the fact that he's coming into the final year of his deal, obviously we need to sort of see how it plays out from or how he recovers from his injury. But do you think that the potential wing depth issues that we spoke about a little bit before may be tested a little bit further with the fact that the Bulls, Look, this is me just guessing, but is Denzel Valentine a a, a trade candidate at at the deadline depending on how he sort of comes back from his injuries, what the Bulls are thinking, what his next contract value may be? And I don't know, will the rotation sort of change come February because is is Valentine someone that is potentially trade come come the deadline?
0: I don't think he has much value. He um, definitely
1: doesn't, but I'm just wondering if he, if, if, if he comes back a little bit healthier and shows what we sort of saw previously, whether the Bull are keeping around because they may want to extend him or they'll, try, they'll trade him similar to like a Bobby Porter situation where they may not want to pay his next contract and may, may seek to get some sort of value if he can rehab his value.
0: I think the the biggest difference is he's not going to probably command as much, mm-hmm. nearly yeah. as much as Bobby Porter. so i mean just going into restricted free agency with him might not be the worst idea i mean it actually might be a smart play because you could probably still get him for cheap or or get him back on the qualifying offer so um you know i would hang on to him and just kind of see what he has but a lot has to play out you know who, how is he going to perform is he going to be healthy enough to to even take the court who knows you know like all of these things have to play out before looking ahead to february but uh can i rave about denzel valentine some more
1: <laughs> no definitely not i mean that's only reserved for for uh my mate c red fred and i think we've we spent way too much time talking about denzel valentine and, and look i know i've got to get you away here shortly so let's finish up with this question of all the players on on the current roster that we have sort of situated and contracted at this point, who in your opinion is most likely to not receive the expected minutes, either by the fans themselves or or the, the player themselves, who is the most likely to sort of not get the minutes that they would hope to have? Like I said, or like you said in your piece that the Bulls can real- realistically throw at a 10-man rotation, to me at least, I think that could be extended to maybe 11, possibly 12. So who is the odd man out here? I mean, there's probably one obvious candidate, but do you have any not so obvious candidates too?
0: Well, I'm going to preface anything I say by saying it's late ju- late July. yeah, And a lot, can, a lot can happen between now and October and certainly you know November. But the guys that I think I pointed out in the piece were Hutchinson. He's the biggest loser because he averaged 20 minutes per game last year just because of all the injuries and they, they needed him. You know, they didn't have a a very talented roster and they needed his, his services, but now they've got players who, you know, are better than him and guys coming back like Denzel Valentine. So um, he's probably going to get some minutes cut. I'm curious to see how they handle Daniel Gafford because of the, the addition of Thaddeus young and because of Larry Markkinen's ability to put swing to the five spot. Uh, I wonder if they're going to play him. If, you know, at all, if much, or as the backup center, primarily to the, the Wendell. Um, and then the other guy who might be kind of a surprise, potentially, to fans is Kobe White. I mean, yeah. I mentioned it earlier, but he just didn't look all that great. I mean, he had ups and downs. I was impressed, and I noted this a couple other places, that I was imp- impressed with his poise, his patience. You know, he got the shots that he wanted, even though they weren't going in. Uh, he got the shots that he wanted. Uh, And that impressed me above all. Um, But, you know, they might not play him. I mean, you talked about Archie Diacono. I would hate to see Archie Diacono get minutes over Kobe White. But if Kobe White just proves that he's just not ready, then, you know, maybe he doesn't get a lot of minutes.
1: That was the the one that I wanted to to bring up. And I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't want to necessarily catch the heat just by myself because I'm sure there's going to be some fans out there that some even want Kobe White to start. So to hear that White may not necessarily get minutes. I think that there'll be some among the fan base who won't want to hear that, but I think there's a real chance. And look, John Paxson himself has, has alluded to the fact that they're not going to rush Kobe White. They're obviously trying to give him minutes, but they're not going to necessarily play him just to play him. Uh, I think the Bulls not, won't necessarily have an agenda to get into the playoffs, but if, if they, I think they'll be trying to do that to to a degree. So and if White's not contributing, then I think at that point, particularly with a coach like Boylan, then I think you'll probably lean on his more experienced guys, whether that's Archie Diakno, whether it's Harrison, whether it's Chris Dunn, if he's still around. So that was the name that I was trying to um, to draw out of you so I didn't receive the full ire of some Bulls fans. So I'm glad you mentioned it.
0: How did you feel about the Kobe White selection, Mike? Right?
1: Uh, look, I think... At the time of the draft, I was comfortable with it. I think you can make a case that in five to ten years from now, that if we look back on the draft, that there may have been some other players who will end up being better players than Kobe White. But based on based on who was available, where the Bulls were sort of sitting, who and who had gone before them, I was hoping Jared Colwell was going to fall to seven. Obviously, he went at six, but once he was sort of taken off the board and. I guess Kobe White did make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. So I thought it was an okay draft. But like I said, I think there's a chance as well when we look at this thing five years down the track that there's going to be some players taken behind White that'll end up being better. But I think ultimately it was, it was a pretty decent pick. But what, what were your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of along the same lines as you. Uh, I can't say that I didn't like it. Um, you know, and I can't point to you, to a certain guy behind them that I said oh they should have selected this guy so you know I'm okay with it
1: well see I, was, I thought you were going to say Cam Reddish because uh, again another piece that you sort of wrote prior to the draft was the Bulls potentially maybe taking a swing on Reddish so I'm surprised you didn't name him just then
0: well I forgot about Cam Reddish everybody <laughs> hates Cam Reddish until he got selected by Atlanta or however they got him I don't know if it was a trade or what but you know, everybody thinks that that's going to be a great landing spot for Cam Reddish now. He's going to be able to really blossom alongside Trey Young and John Collins. Uh, and, you know, that does look like a good situation for him. Um, but there's a lot of questions about Cam Reddish, that's for sure. We wouldn't be talking about wing depth right now if, if they did draft Cam Reddish. I mean, we might be questioning whether or not Cam Reddish is, is the guy that they need or if he's actually going to be a player. But, Uh, He would actually help their wing wing depth. And he could have been someone potentially that you could have groomed uh, for when Otto Porter's contract is up. So I I would have liked it from that standpoint. Uh, And I'm glad you mentioned it. Thanks for reminding me of that Um, (laughs) it is late July and it's 95 degrees in Chicago. My brain's fried. But uh, Cam Reddish would be a guy, even though there's a lot to hate about him. uh, You know, he could have potential.
1: No, definitely. And, and the reason why I brought that up was because when I was reading that piece, I I, I was wondering where you're going to go with it. And then I went, once I read the name Cam Reddish, I, I let it, I let out an audible discry So uh, I wasn't pleased with it. But uh, at the same time, I think Atlanta makes kind of sense with, for Reddish as, as to the player that I think he will be. But again, we don't need to relive the draft. Like you said, it's 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 a Sunday evening for you. It's nice and warm out there. Go about uh, ending your weekend, Darnell. So I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your Sunday evening, your weekend, to jump onto Bulls HQ. But um, before you get away, tell the people where they can follow you. They probably already know anyway, but just uh, do us that service. Tell us where we can follow you on Twitter as well as um, all your work on The Athletic.
0: At Darnell Mayberry on Twitter, uh, at The Athletic Shy on Twitter, and at theathletic.com online. And check out our app. It's a great app. You'll love it. Ad-free no autoplay videos. It's a, a low price for a monthly subscription, and I'm sure you'll enjoy the service if you sign up.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I, I'd certainly encourage people to do that. And if you're not following Darnell or The Athletic, then you're not doing it right at, at this point. I mean, The Athletic offers the best Chicago Bulls coverage going around, so do that. But again, Darnell, thanks for jumping on, mate.
0: All right. Thanks, Mark. Have a good night.
1: All right, Bulls fans, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Thanks again for Darnell Mabry for coming onto the show. Again, follow him online on Twitter at Darnell Mabry. Read all his stuff at The Athletic. Follow me on Twitter at MK Hoops. Follow the podcast at BullsHQPod. And like I said from the outset, I'm back now from my uh, extended break. So they'll expect more shows from me, I guess is my point going forward as we lead up to towards the, the the upcoming season. Obviously, it's the quiet season for the NBA season, but that doesn't mean we don't have to talk about the Bulls and talk about what's going to be coming up for the team as we move forward, particularly if uh, if uh, a player like Thad Young gets some Team USA runs. So there'll be obviously some, some t- stuff to talk about in that situation with the FIBA World Cup potentially coming through as well. But until then, this has been Balls HQ. Thank you for tuning in, Balls fans. Speak very soon.